Who, want, who wants to have a totally awesome marriage? Okay, yes, all right, me too. So I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, so we launched that last week, and there was a, quite a few people, understandably, who were gone because of how icy the roads were. Um, if you missed, go, go listen to it. We live streamed it, and, um, and it's also on a podcast. So take 30 minutes, listen to it, because they're going to kind of build upon each other. We talked about being Jesus-centered. Jesus-centered in our marriages. This week, we're going we're gonna to be mission unified. Say it with me. Mission unified. Talk about being on mission together. See, here at the River Church, we want our marriages to look a little different, don't we? The, the new normal for the American couple isn't very healthy. Things are changing the way people are getting married and the, and the things, that, things that are happening. And this includes for Christians or people that at least call themselves Christians. If you look at, look at what's happening on the average age of marriage, people are, in my generation, had decided to start getting married much later. So mid-30s, late-30s even, into their 40s. This next generation is saying, why get married at all? What's the point? Right? And we don't, we don't want that. We, we, want, we want something different. This next generation is saying, listen, I've watched all these marriages and and they end poorly. They, they, they're, they're, they're unhealthy. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of insecurity. And so if I don't get married, then I can move on whenever I want to, and I can just play house, and I'm never going to get hurt. I, I, I can do that. And as a church at the River Church, we don't want any of that baloney. We don't want the new normal for a marriage. We want healthy god honoring marriages. We want totally awesome marriages. Amen to that? Yes. So we want. We're going to work our way a little bit through uh, Genesis. Genesis 128 says this. It says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God creates Adam and Eve, and the first thing he does is he gives them a mission. He sends them on a mission. He gives them a job to do. So they're in the Garden of Eden. It's paradise. It's Adam and Eve, and as we talked about before, most importantly, a relationship with God. It was spending time, just the two of them and God together. They were happy. They were content. And they had a job to do. Let that sink in for a minute. So they're in paradise in every single way. And they had a job to do. See, we tend to think of, of, of vacations, right? And I love me a good vacation. Don't get me wrong. But we think vacations are paradise. My favorite vacation is sitting next to a beach somewhere in North Idaho with a lemonade in one hand and a good book in another. Like, that's my ideal vacation time. And we often associate those times in our lives as being paradise. But here's Adam and Eve, and they're in the perfect situation. They're living completely content, completely satisfied, in love with God, and they have a job to do. They have a job to do. God created you for a job. He gave you a purpose and a mission. And I truly believe that one of the reasons you're seeing Americans not be as happy anymore is when you think about it, there are many of us who are trying to live off the government instead of picking up our toolbox and going to work anymore. 
and you see the happiness of America's, Americans in decline, right? Because that's not what we were created to do. We were created to work. We were created to have purpose. We were created to do something. Not only were you created for mission, but you were created to be on mission with your spouse, to, to make work, to make church unified in mission together. The goal of a godly marriage is unity, and the byproduct is happiness. Is, is unity, the, or is happiness the byproduct of unity? Absolutely, right? It absolutely is. Happiness is important to a marriage, but it's not the goal. The goal is unity, and then happiness comes along with that. The goal of a godly marriage is unity, and the byproduct is happiness. So God gives Adam and Eve this mission. He tells them, go multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion over it. What he didn't say was, go follow your heart. Go do whatever makes you happy. Go, go do whatever excites you. He didn't say that, did he? And too many couples have bought into this philosophy of just doing whatever makes us feel good and, and, and seeing how it works out. The fastest way to not have a totally awesome marriage is just live life by, I'm just going to go do whatever makes me feel good. The first thing God says is, here's your mission, if you choose to accept it. And I want you to know that God wants to speak to your marriage. He wants to put you and your spouse on a mission. If you're single this morning, you have a mission too. And one day, you'll look around and say, hey, they're on the same mission as I am. And that'll work, work out pretty well that way. But you have to be on mission. When I'm, when I'm doing premarital counseling, I try, to, I try to challenge the couple in this area. So I ask the hot dog question. You guys ever heard of the hot dog question? You haven't because I just completely made it up. Some of you are like, what in the world's a hot? I'm never getting marriage counseling from Steve. That, that's craziness. Crazy. Kayla, oh, she's not. Do you remember the hot dog question? It's been too long. Okay. I asked you. I asked you. Here's, here's, what the, here's what the hot dog question is. I usually look right at the bride, and I say to this, so tell me this. If your soon-to-be husband says to you, I want to sell everything we have, I want to buy a hot dog cart, I want to go downtown, and I want to sell hot dogs, are you on board with it? And the look on her face is always priceless. It's like, what? no, no, I'm not, right? It's, she looks at me like I'm crazy. Now, that, the purpose of that is, is to, there's two reasons I ask that. One, that leads us into a question about leadership in the home. And I always ask the bride-to-be, are you ready to be under the leadership of your soon-to-be husband? And that's important. And, 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 and that kind of catches their eye because you know what? God asks people to do ridiculous things. Have you all read the Bible? Right? It wouldn't be the first time God asked someone to do something ridiculous. Are you still willing to follow your husband? The second reason I ask that question is because if they have just, if they're unified in mission, she will look me in the face, and I've had it happen before, and she'll say, well, I would do that, but we've talked about it, and this is what we feel like God wants us to do. And if they don't answer that way, then I lead them into, okay, what do you feel like your mission from God is? What, 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 do you guys, what are you guys supposed to be 
doing in your soon-to-be family? Because it's important. We have to be mission unified to have a totally awesome marriage. The very first thing that God says to Adam is, and Eve is in the garden, I'm going to put you on mission. The very last thing that Jesus said before he left the earth is he gave us a mission. Mark 16, he said this right before he leaves. He says, Afterwards, afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents in their hands, and if they drink anything dead, any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus, right before he leaves, gives us a mission. And here's why this is important. This is important. Remember in Genesis chapter 2, okay, verse 18, we talked about this last week. Then the Lord God said, if it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. So Adam and Adam is a man who who's, God's about to put on mission. He's about to give him purpose. And the very first thing he says is, I'm going to give him a helper. He needs Eve. And here's the point. This is what I'm trying to get at. We should get married because we can serve God better together than apart. Now, let me say that again, because this is super important. I want you to get this this morning. This is the, this is, there's one thing you're going to get. This is it. We should get married because we can serve God better together than apart. See, so many of us get, get married because of the way she makes me feel or the way he makes me feel. And those feelings are a good thing. God created those feelings. Those, those are, that's an important part of marriage. But that's not the reason we get married. That's not the reason God instituted marriage. He made that for our enjoyment, but we get married because we can serve Jesus better together than apart. The problem is that whatever God unites in mission, the devil schemes to divide. It's his purpose. He hates what what God unites in mission. That's why the church is always under attack. When the church is united... It's powerful. You want to see a world-changing thing in, the, in this world? For Jesus, it's a united church. Let me read Genesis chapter 3. We're going to dig into this even more next week, but I want, to, I want to read the first seven verses here. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But God said, you shall, need a, shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you, sh- you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now let me ask you this. Where was Adam in this conversation? You ever thought about that? Why were they separate? It's like Satan picked the right moment to try to convince Eve of this lie. Because he knows that if he can drive a wedge in between them, 
that, that, that he, can, he can completely divide them. So I want to ask you this morning, what is that wedge in your marriage right now? Is there something in your marriage that you are allowing the devil to wedge in between you, to separate you? Because he will take every opportunity he gets to do that. Is there something that you're allowing to come between you and your spouse that when they're not around, you start thinking, well, maybe I'd be better off without them. Because the devil will take that opportunity if he gets it. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And here they are in paradise, satisfied, content, in love. They're even naked. What's better than that? Come on, guys, right? Like, they're in paradise. And it all comes to an end when Satan divides them. The first, he convinces one of them of a lie. Is Satan currently trying to convince you of a lie about your spouse or about what the mission and direction is of your marriage? That's the first question. Because if you're not talking about it, then he's already started. So the first thing he does is he, when they're separated, he convinces one of them of a lie. Secondly, he gets them off mission. Did you notice that? What's their purpose? Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Not I that fruit that I'm not supposed to be touching. And she starts looking at the fruit. And her eyes are not on the mission. Ultimately, Satan, the one thing he wanted to happen, happens. He divides them. And all of a sudden, their eyes are open and they're ashamed. They're ashamed. And when they're ashamed, they're no longer united the way that they should be. And they begin to immediately cover themselves up. They're no longer unified. What God had united, the devil had schemed to divide. Don't let that happen in your marriage. Don't allow Satan to cause a wedge between you and your spouse. If that wedge exists, pray about it. Talk to mature Christians about it. Come see me about it. Satan is going to try to divide the two of you. Don't let it happen. The church I worked at in Sandpoint has a, a track around it. So the church had bought a piece, the piece of property long before they built a church on it. And so it was a cheap field. It was right up against train tracks. So they got it fairly cheap. And after they bought it and they built the church on it, the city came by and said, hey, we want to build a park. And so they built tennis courts and they built basketball courts and soccer fields and baseball fields and, and playground equipment. They did all these things. But as a result of that, there's this huge track that goes around the entire church. Well, one day, Israel and Mariah were fighting, and I could not get them to stop. Like, I mean, it was, they just were going at it. In fact, the, I timed it one time, and they could not fight, keep from fighting for, for less than five minutes, because I literally had a stopwatch out. It was nonstop fighting with each other. You know how sisters and brothers are, right? Normal fighting. And so the next day, I had this plan in my head. 
They, they wake up and immediately they're just going at it with each other. I said, okay, got to church and I brought a rope with me. And I tied a, a loop in one side and I tied a loop in the other. And I said, put your hands through there. And I said, you guys are going to jog slash walk around this track. And, if, and you're not going to fight while you're doing it. And if you don't, you're going to do it again. The first time did not go well. <laughs> at one point in time, they're screaming at each other. And then Israel tripped and fell. And I just remember Mariah trying to drag him. Yeah. When they got about three-fourths of the way done, they like literally take it off. Mariah thinks it's a race. She starts running as fast as she can. And I'm like, y'all thought that was acceptable, huh? You know they did three more times. And finally on the fourth time, they said, we're going to do this without fighting. That's two miles, folks. <laughs> two miles. That's what they did. Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together unless they, are, unless they are agreed? Marriage is similar. Mariah and Israel went through that. When, when we marry, we become united. But if we're not in agreement with one another, if we don't have the same mission, if we didn't talk about what the purpose of our life is, the next thing you know, that is the perfect wedge the devil tries to break us apart with. It's the perfect one. What does division mean? Well, originally the DI meant two. And vision is direction or mission. So division means two separate visions or missions. What does your marriage look like? One of the greatest tragedies that happens to any two peoples when they are married and they are not united. When they're married and not united. When we aren't unified in marriage mission, we can often find our marriage struggling. I want to close this morning with talking about a couple that's in Scripture. They aren't talked about a lot. I think it's actually four times that they're mentioned in Scripture. But all four times they're mentioned, they're always mentioned together. And three of those four times, it's her before him, which, is, which might be important. Maybe one day I'll preach on that. But, it, but in Romans chapter 16, as Paul's closing up his letter, he mentions this couple. He says this, Greet, excuse me, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well, Greet also the church in their house. Listen, this is a couple that were together on mission. Because I want you to know, like you don't put your life on the line for another person and put your family in danger unless your spouse is on board with you, right? That would be important. You don't invite people over to your house. Steve Karst gets in trouble real quick this way. <laughs> if you don't talk to your wife or your husband about it. They were unified in mission together. So much so that Paul says, Paul says that he gives thanks for them and all the Gentile churches give thanks for them. That's incredibly powerful. That's a power couple. They're not mentioned a lot. They're not talked about in scripture. One day I can't wait to get to heaven and meet them. That's a powerful couple who were united in mission together. What is the foundation that is going to strengthen and fulfill our marriage? To say you and your spouse can serve Jesus better together than apart. You and your spouse 
can serve Jesus better together than apart. So what exactly is your mission? Share if you want to come forward. We all have the Great Commission, right? That was given to the entire church. And if you're a part of the church, you're on the Great Commission, right? That, that we all have that. But how God fulfills that in every single individual's life is very different. No single person walks the exact same path to fulfill the Great Commission. God has different callings for all of us. So how do you know? Well, the best way to do that is to seek the Holy Spirit. God, what do you have for me as an individual, being single, and then one day you're on mission, and you're walking with Jesus, and you're fulfilling that mission, and you look around and you see, hey, wait a minute, they're on the same mission as me. And you start walking mission together, because you and your spouse can serve Jesus better together than you can apart. Now, what I have often found out is, is that God will often use your passions already to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Not always, but a lot of the times he will do that. And sometimes he'll throw you a curveball and you'll be like, wow, this really, I am passionate about this and I didn't even know it. But there is nothing, if you want to have a united marriage, talk about this. There's nothing you, you, that unites better than a common love and a common enemy. A common love and a common enemy. I have seen couples come together under that banner and just completely revolutionize the world and the church. It's incredible. Let me give you some examples. Maybe you have a passion for cooking and hosting. Maybe you're absolutely passionate about it. And maybe you hate when people come to church and they feel lonely. And the next thing you know, you're inviting people over that are, that are first-time guests from the church or that don't have any family around in the area. And God can use that. And it's powerful. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe at one time you were in debt. And you absolutely love now having financial freedom. And you hate when you see other people who are in debt and in bondage of debt. And you say, you know what? I can teach a class about financial freedom. I, I, can, I can help others get to this place. Maybe you love kids, absolutely love kids, and you hate when they're in an awful home. Maybe you can foster and adopt, or maybe you can support foster and adopt. You see what happens there? I could go on and on. There's so many of these different things that I could, that I could go on about. But what is your mission statement? What are you and your spouse united? Of course, it's Jesus, right? We talked about that last week, being Jesus-centered. But now, what is the purpose? What is your calling? Tracy and I, for a long time, we've had a simple, simple mission statement. At any point in time, you could ask the two of us, what are you called to do? What is your purpose? And we just said, it's real simple. Adopt kids, pastor the church. That's it. Adopt kids, pastor the church. Here's the thing, though. You don't have to do the same things to be on the same mission together. You know, when you adopt kids, there's a lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. Do you know how much of it I've done? I'll tell you what I'm really good at. I can sign my name to things that I have never read. I'm really good at that. I'm super good at that. When we bought our house, I signed my name. I had no idea what I signed my name to. 
my boss looked at me like, you're crazy. She just brought that in. You signed it. Don't even know what happened. Really good at that. On the flip side, Tracy does not preach every Sunday, right? However, she is a great preacher. You find out again on Mother's Day. However, it's not a weekly thing that you see her doing. But you know, when we're praying and we're seeking God, what he wants for the church, we do it together. Just because you're on the same mission doesn't mean that you have to do the exact same things. That's important to understand. God built you that way. Adam and Eve fulfilled, be fruitful and multiply. Guess what? They didn't do the same things, right? Have dominion. Had different roles. But they were still on the same mission. We can serve Jesus better together than we could apart. So here's your homework. Trace, if you want to come up with me. So here's your homework. So last week I gave you homework, right? Did anybody do it? Five minutes. All right. Yes. Five minutes every day. Um, Not even five minutes. What did I say? 90 seconds. 90 seconds every day. Pray with your spouse. It's 90 seconds. Maybe that builds into more. Your homework this week is develop that mission statement. Maybe you already know. That's wonderful. If you're one, that's great. Maybe you're like Tracy and I. We already know what that mission statement is. But maybe, maybe you need to spend some time with your spouse this week. And here's my suggestion: keep it really simple. Like our, like adopt kids, pastor the church. Maybe it's lead worship and and love love on people at the church. Maybe it's serving kids ministry. And, and run a great VBS, whatever that looks like. Just keep it very simple. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever mission you're on, talk to your spouse this week and say, Lord, what do you have? What's my purpose in our marriage? This is what I want to do. I'm gonna, I invited my wife up to hold my hand while I pray. If you're sitting next to your spouse, would you hold hands this morning as I pray for you? We're, uh, we're going to dismiss with that this morning. And um, if you're single this morning, I do not want you to be discouraged in any way. Because like I said, this is what happens. Put yourself on a mission. Seek the Holy Spirit. God, what do you have for me? And as you're serving Jesus, and you're showing up every week, and you're doing your thing, and you're busy, because we should be busy, right? Every once in a while, I look around. Hmm. She looks kind of cute. And we're going the same direction. He looks kind of cute. We're going the same direction. That's how Tracy found me. Let's get. Let's get. Just get. So if you're single this morning, think about that for a minute. If you want to build a foundation of a totally godly marriage now by being on mission. And every once in a while, pop your head up, look around, and if you see someone else who's single and is kind of cute, maybe. You can serve God better together than you could apart. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all these marriages, Lord, that you use, that you put on mission together, Father. I thank you for every couple in this church, and I thank you for every single in this church, Lord. Lord, we know that you have purpose and calling for our lives. Lord, we know that you are a God that that, that doesn't just call us to 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 strife, to heartache, to to bitterness, but you call our marriages to be totally awesome. God-honoring, God-fearing, purpose-driven, 
marriages, Lord. Lord, I pray that every couple in this room and every soon-to-be couple one day will be unified in mission, Lord. That we would have purpose, that we would have calling, Lord. I pray that you reveal through your Holy Spirit what that is, Jesus, as they begin to seek you and write their own mission statement. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.